Are you blessed or are you cursed? That is the question that all of the readings today center upon is, are you blessed or are you cursed? Now, when asked that, I think most of us think, okay, what has happened to me recently? And that's how we gauge whether we are blessed or whether we are cursed. We think, I'm blessed if a lot of good things have happened, and I'm cursed if, man, everything's been going wrong. But that is not the criteria that Scripture sets out for us, for us to be able to know whether we're blessed or whether we're cursed. No, it's not about what happens to you. It's about who you are. Are you able to withstand even everything going wrong? Or are you a slave to every external circumstance? To be a slave to all of the circumstances and situations in which you find yourself, that's being cursed. To be able to have the one most important thing that nobody can take away from you, that's what it means to be blessed. The Lord puts it very well through the prophet Jeremiah when he says, Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now here, the Lord isn't saying, if you do those things, I will curse you. He's saying, putting your trust in human beings is a curse in and of itself. Because you are putting your trust and your hope in something as fickle as the human heart. You are saying, my happiness depends on how these people treat me. Guess what? Those people, they're all messed up. Even if they love you, they're not going to love you the right way 100% of the time. Even if they're good, they're not going to be perfectly good 100% of the time. Putting your trust in things beyond your control is a recipe for frustration, resentment, anger, sadness, and all the rest. Because we constantly have this fear of, well, what if things change? What if this thing that I love is taken away from me? What if this relationship breaks down? What if I lose my job? What if I am left with no money? If that is where we place all of our trust in all of those external things, even if we have them, we're a nervous wreck because we think, is somebody going to take them away from me? But, But what if they change? And there you live within that curse, that curse of having your foundation Be very fragile. That curse of planting yourself and putting down roots in the wrong place, far from the streams of living water. Right? The Lord continues that the one who trusts in human beings is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste to salt an empty earth. Because we don't have what we need to be nourished and to be able to flourish when we put our roots anywhere but in the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. When our trust is put in other people and their strength, ultimately their strength's going to falter. It might be that way with our faith. We think, I can only believe if this person who I respect also believes. Or I can, I can only go to church if This person is still going, be it a spouse or a family member or a religious leader, maybe. We might think, oh, my faith is so tied up in this person whom I admire, this person who helped me so much in my faith. But guess what? 
that person might eventually get it wrong too. And at that moment, you have to realize, where are my roots? Were they just tied to that person? Or are they deep into the sacred heart of Jesus Christ? Is he the reason why I come, or is it anything else? But it could also be not just the strength of other people that we rely upon. It might be our own strength that we rely upon. And we might try to get through our entire life thinking, I have to perform perfectly. I have to be the source of my success. See these bootstraps? I'm going to pull myself up by them. And then when inevitably we fail, we start to hate that self that we placed such a burden upon. Whether it be other people or ourselves, when we try to make another a human being, ourselves or another person, the source of our happiness and our joy, we put a burden on them, on them or on our own selves that no human being can handle. We, we try to expect perfection, and then, of course, we're frustrated. Reminds me, I just recently watched with my nieces and nephews in Canto, and I, I loved it. It was a delightful little movie, but there's this, uh, this one character, and she's super strong. But because of that, everybody relies on her strength. And she thinks that she's only worth as much as she can do for them. And then when she starts feeling a little bit weak, her world comes crashing down. She has this catchy song where all of that pressure that everybody has on her, it's like a drip, drip, drip that will never stop. Whoa, it's a very catchy song. But we can't place that burden on any human being, or even on all human beings, on society, on this political party or that one, on the institutional church. I'll be happy once the church does A, B, or C. No, 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 no. Your happiness needs to be rooted in the love that Jesus Christ has for you. We strike our roots in that sacred heart because it's from there that the living waters of his mercy flow. And it's only there that we can put absolute trust. Because everything that is just merely human will falter. But that which is human and divine, namely the heart of Jesus Christ, there we can trust. And so when we do that, when we place all of our hope and trust for happiness, joy, peace, and all the rest in the sacred heart of Jesus Christ, we're blessed. Because everything around us can crumble and we're still okay. Everything can be taken away from us and we realize... I have the most important thing. I have communion with my Lord. I have the one thing that's eternal. Because if I have everything that the world has to offer, all of the things I can desire, popularity as well, great friendships, a solid family, perfect health, I still have nothing but dust and rubble. Because that's what all of this will someday be. And when all of this is turned to dust, one thing will remain, and it is the sacred heart of Jesus Christ beating for love of you. And is that where I have put down my roots? If it is, then I'm blessed. And Jeremiah says of me, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the water that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes. Its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. What is that imagery there? It means that if everything goes terribly around me, I'm good. 
Because my roots run deep in the love of God. I still have access to everything that I need that will nourish me and help me to flourish in my life. And we realize that it's in that that we're blessed. But we might wonder, well, what's the reason for our hope? (laughs) Right? What is the reason that we can hope so much in Jesus Christ? Because really, we might be going through a very dark period in our lives. We might be having everything around us falling down, and we might think, I feel like I'm cursed. Like, I get that I'm supposed to be close to Jesus, but why can I trust Jesus? Why? Because Jesus loves you enough to die for you, but he didn't remain dead. No, he is risen, and so he is currently powerful enough to be able to give you light in the darkness. He is currently in heaven inviting you to embrace eternal life. St. Paul makes this very clear. He says, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. What is he saying there? He's saying that if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, we're a bunch of fools. And you know what? He's right. If we just come here, you know, just to gather, but we don't actually believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, then what are we even doing? But because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, because he does offer us eternal life, even if everything around us should crumble, we realize we have eternal life. Our roots run deep in the love of Christ, and so we're good. And so today we can ask, does my life reflect that? Do I live my Christianity so radically that my life makes no sense if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead? That is how you live as one who is blessed. You don't live as one who is blessed by just pointing out all the good things that have happened to you. That's good. We thank God for it. But no, we proclaim that we are among the blessed by being able to live so centered on Christ that people scratch their heads when they look at us and say, man, that person really believes that Jesus Christ is risen. Our lives are meant to be that witness. I here at this podium. I am a complete and total fool if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead. Right? That's what priestly celibacy is meant to proclaim. It's meant to be this this sign of deep faith in the resurrection, to be able to give up the greatest of natural gifts in marriage and family and to say, no, 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 I'm all in. If Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, I am a fool. See, that's one of the the, the better reasons for priestly celibacy. Sometimes we turn to just the practical things, like, well, he might be called in the middle of the night, he has to be moved around a lot. That's pretty condescending to you all, who also get called in the middle of the night and also sometimes have to be moved around a lot. No, the whole reason for priestly celibacy is for the priest to be able to be one with Christ the bridegroom, totally devoted to the church, his bride. It is to be able to forego natural fatherhood, to focus entirely on supernatural fatherhood. To be able to say, I believe in the life of grace so much that I will give my entire life to engender spiritual life within you. To be able to say, I'm all in for the kingdom. But of course that witness is not just for the priests. Every person who bears the mark of Christ on their soul through baptism is called to live that blessing in a radical way. To be able to proclaim to everybody, if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, I am a total fool. Because my life is entirely centered on the resurrection. 
My faith in Jesus Christ and his love for me is the source of my blessing. It is the reason for my joy. Things can be falling apart all around me, and I still have this weird smirk on my face because I know Jesus Christ is risen and he's with me. And so I'm good. And it's realizing that that gives us the lens through which to look at the Beatitudes the Lord lists in the Gospel. Right? Four times he said, blessed are you. And then four times he follows it up with, well, woe to you. Now when he says, blessed are you, he's saying, because you have the most important thing. So here he says, blessed are you who are poor. And we think that's not a good thing. The external circumstance of not having what I need to survive, that's a terrible thing. But Jesus says, don't focus on the external circumstance. Focus on the interior gift that I've given you. Because you're not just poor in the sense of you don't have the stuff you need. No, you're rich when you have Jesus Christ because you have one who will take care of you, even in your time of most destitute need. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. That kingdom of God is greater than all the kingdoms of this world, because as I said, they will be rubble someday. But the Lord is eternal. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. When's the last time we were hungry? We we can think of that. And that external feeling of hunger, we hate it. But the church has this weird practice of intentionally becoming hungry every now and again. Right? Fasting. It's something that we've been doing for centuries upon centuries. And it's meant to be this external feeling of the body that we freely embrace so that we can look at the internal hunger of our soul. We can realize, ooh, I could really use a burger right now, but I'm going to sit with this hunger for a while so that I can realize my deeper hunger is for Jesus, and he will satisfy me with his own presence. But then also that experience of hunger can sometimes help us to realize, I'm choosing this freely, but there are so many who have no choice in the matter. And I hate this feeling right now, so what can I do with my life to be able to make sure that those who are hungry, not by choice, may be fed by my very hands. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Here Jesus is saying, no matter how bad what you're going through is right now, it's not going to be forever. Right now it feels so dark. The light's coming. Even if for the rest of your earthly existence is going to be suffering upon suffering, that existence someday will end. And if you cling to Christ, oh, will you laugh. You will know a joy that is unbounded by this world. And so know that with Jesus, the resurrection always follows the crucifixion. Life always conquers death. So you can, even in the midst of your weeping, have this laugh interiorly in your soul because you realize the sadness doesn't win. The Lord does. And here's the toughest one. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. Now that one's the toughest pill to swallow, because what do we prize so highly? What people think of us. And it might not be people in general, right? We might say, I don't have social media, I don't care what the world thinks about me. But I guarantee you care about the opinion of at least someone. And you might care about it just a little bit too much. To where your happiness is bound up in what they think of you. 
Could be a group, could be an individual. But regardless, you're not free. You are in the chains of caring so much over what they think. That's where you've put down your roots. That's where you seek your nourishment, your affirmation, is in the opinion of others. And those can dry up very quickly. Right? People might one day love you and the next day be talking behind your back. They might want to be in a deep friendship with you one day and then the next day not even recognize you on the street. And if that is the source of my joy and happiness, I'm constantly nervous. What if they stop liking me? And so instead of putting our roots down in the opinions of others, we can put them into the sacred heart. And we can realize that we care so much more about who he knows us to be rather than who, what other people think of us. Because inevitably, every single person that you will ever meet only sees a tiny piece of the mystery of who you are. You yourself, who have had to live with yourself for your entire life, still only see a tiny part of the mystery of who you are. The only one who knows that entire mystery and embraces it is Jesus. And so should the world laugh at me? Should the world say, what a fool? Should the world insult me, exclude me, say, I don't want you around? That's nothing. That doesn't take away my joy, my peace. Because my roots are elsewhere. They're outside of this world. They're in the sacred heart of Jesus Christ, in the love he bears for me, knowing all of my sins, all of my faults, and still saying, yeah, you're mine. So, at this Mass... We claim our blessing. We realize we are, in fact, blessed. Not because good stuff's happening to us. Everything that's the worst could be happening to us, and yet we can say, I am blessed because I am his. I've put my roots down in that sacred heart, and that's where I draw my nourishment. And being blessed in him is indeed cause for rejoicing and leaping for joy because he loves me, he takes care of me, and nothing will ever change that.